Have we all fully recovered? Everyone's good. We've recovered from the bowl season. You're ready to look forward to a new year and not dwell on the past? Well, I'm going to bring up the bowl season. I'm going to talk about the past. This is not the 2020 season preview podcast. This is looking back at the 2019 season. And this is the Big 12 Bullets. Yes, we are going to talk about bowl season that did not go well. But we're going to take a holistic look at the season, the 2019 season. I think it was a season of change for a lot of teams. We had a lot of new coaches. It was a season of transition for a lot of teams. And so we're going to talk about all of that. I'm going to go through every team in the Big 12 and give them a grade on the season based on the expectations at the beginning of the season and um, you know some things that transpired in the season. And just when you look back on the 2019 season, what grade would you give this team? And, and it's a sliding scale. Obviously, the grade for Oklahoma and the grade for Kansas are totally uh, different scales. So don't think I'm just going to go Kansas F and then move up to A. No, it, your grade has to do with the expectations. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast. And when we get to the teams that were in the bowl season uh, that had that played in bowls, we'll talk about their bowl game. Uh, only Texas would want me to hear want to hear me talk about their bowl, and so we will talk about that. And also for each team, we'll talk about some of the te- the players that have left for the draft and some of the players that are coming back because that that is a big a big deal, obviously, and I think it definitely affects how you're going to be thinking about next season and how you kind of feel about this season, Um, whether it was a wasted effort with a a superstar player who you will never get back again uh, or or not. And obviously, no offense, but I will take more time on the teams that finished towards the top. Uh, So let's jump right in to the Kansas Jayhawks. Ah, yes, the Kansas Jayhawks. They, of course, finished last in the Big 12 once again, but this year it was a little bit different. This year they go three and nine overall, so that's three wins. They get one conference win, which is the same they had last year. And I think when you look at the the record and you look at the season overall, it doesn't really seem like an improvement under Les Miles. But I, I do think that if you actually watch these games, they were much closer. They didn't get blown out near as much as they have in the past. They were competitive. They beat Boston College on the road at the beginning of the season, as we know. Um, they did get blown out by, by TCU. Oklahoma, they held close for most of the game. Kansas or Texas, they almost won. They lost on a game-winning field goal by Dicker the Kicker. Um, they beat Tech by a field goal. And then they towards the end of the season, that's when the blowouts started coming back again. You had Kansas State beating them 38-10, to Oklahoma State stomping them 31-13, fairly close against Iowa State, a 10-point loss, and then 61-6 to to Baylor. So it, it was very up and down. I mean, of course, they lose to um, – they, they, they beat Boston College the week after the losing to Coastal Carolina 12-7. to So obviously, there's a lot of, of ups and downs with this team. I think – 
and I, I'm obviously not the only one who has this opinion, but Les Miles, I think, will do a good job there. Who knows what the ceiling is? Um, I don't think that he's going to have them winning Big 12 championships or um, anything like that. I think the ceiling is still pretty low, but I think maybe three years' time, he has the team competitive, winning four or five, six games a year, and then he maybe gets another big job um, after kind of, I guess you could say, turning Kansas around. But I don't see him getting this team to eight or nine or ten wins anytime soon they will get puka williams jr back next year as he was only a sophomore um that's kind of their only major player uh, major star that will you know be a difference maker um but like i said I, i'm gonna give a grade for each of these teams i don't think an a is correct for kansas obviously um but they did exceed expectations to an extent but i'd still give them maybe like a c plus grade just because you beat Boston College and you think oh this team might win two or three games you've got West Virginia who's not a very good team they have Tech who they did beat um, obviously not a great team TCU's not a very good team and they got blasted by TCU so the the games that they could have won they only won one of those and so you can't give a team a very high grade when that's the case so Kansas State with a solid C plus just because they look to be on the up and up and they didn't lose their star player in Puka Williams Jr. Coming in at second to last is Texas Tech under new head coach Matt Wells. This was a very, uh, just overall not a great season for Texas Tech. Um, It's no surprise that three of the bottom four teams in the Big 12 were three of the four teams that had new coaches this year. It takes time, and typically if a team has fired their head coach the year before, they're not Uh, The new coach is not stepping into a situation with a lot of talent. So that is what happened to Matt Wells. And Alan Bowman gets hurt again and misses pretty much the entire season again. And so we had you had a situation with Tech where they were playing Jet Duffy, a quarterback, for most of the season. He's okay. He's not a great player. He's not a dynamic player. And he didn't have just a ton of weapons around him. And so this this did not end up being a great season for Texas Tech. Uh, They started off fine in in non-conference play losing to Arizona but being being two two and one against Montana State and UTEP and then once they got into conference play things got real bad real fast blown out by Oklahoma they beat actually you know what things got real bad and then real good real quick and this was uh maybe the biggest upset looking overall at the way the season ended this was the biggest upset in the Big 12 I think Texas Tech beating Oklahoma State 45 to 35 was huge and Oklahoma State that was you know they're a good team And they were fully healthy at that time, at least at the star positions with Sanders and Chuba and Tylen Wallace. And they still lose to Texas Tech. One of the most maddening, infuriating things, I'm sure, for Oklahoma State fans is games like that that seem to happen to them all the time. We'll get back into that later. And then Tech loses on the very controversial call. Um, the bad, the fumbled snap by the Baylor center that was called an illegal snap and Baylor was able to retain the ball, um, in overtime. That was a massive, massive problem. Um, and it's really inexcusable that they missed that call, but they did. So Texas tech loses. Then they lose Iowa state. And then the other sort of You could call it a big upset. It's really not a huge upset because these are the two bottom teams in the Big 12, but Kansas beat Texas Tech. Then Texas Tech goes and beats West Virginia the next week, just embarrassing West Virginia further. Um, Not a great season for West Virginia either. TCU beats Tech, Kansas State, and then Texas also beat Tech. So Tech had a couple odd sort of wins that, that maybe you wouldn't expect. 
but then at the end of the day, this was not a great season, and I don't think anybody expected it to be a great season. But man, it was it was really really not the season Matt Wells would have wanted, and especially losing the quarterback, your starting quarterback, who's a pretty good player, or at least has been a pretty good player, but then has been hurt for most of his career. Uh, at this point, we were really not sure what Alan Bowman is because of the injuries and, and whether, whether he can come back strong next year and be the guy we thought he was as a true freshman or if he is um, just kind of a perpetually injured guy um, and then never really blossoms into a star. Who knows? That will really determine how good their season is next year is what can Alan Bowman do and obviously what can Matt Wells bring in and can he bring in guys that, that play his style and, and better players? Who knows? Um, very tough to recruit in, in Lubbock, and usually you have to be kind of a different guy like Mike Leach that can find those gems and those undersized players or undervalued players and, and turn them into something special. It remains to be seen whether Matt Wells can do that, but obviously this year at Tech finishing 2-7 and seven in the conference, 4-8 and eight overall, that's just it's not going to cut it. Even at Texas Tech, where the expectations can sometimes be a little bit lower, uh, but they all pine for the days of Mike Leach again uh, when they were competing for uh, even almost a national title at one point. And the grade I would give Tech is a C, I would give Tech a C minus. That this was just not a great season for them, and there's not a ton of positivity going into next season either. Moving on to the third worst team. TCU, very disappointing season for Gary Patterson. TCU rarely has two bad seasons in a row, and that's exactly what's happened here. But this was even worse than last year. So last year, at least, they won the dumb Cheez-It Bowl 10-7 to over Cal in the most hilarious, terrible um, game ever, an overtime winner 10-7 to over Cal in the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, this year was not good at all. Um, and then... They could not find consistent quarterback play. They had a freshman in Max Duggan who improved and did play well towards the end of the season and will almost certainly be the starter next year and be should be much better. And he could make plays and you know made some big plays um, in big games. They beat Texas. Uh, they almost beat Oklahoma, or they at least played Oklahoma close, and, and Duggan made some big plays. But overall, just not a consistent team. And not not the TCU that you expect either. You expect a TCU team to have a good defense. Uh, they gave up 41 to SMU. They gave up 49 to Iowa State. 34 to Oklahoma State. That's not bad. They got better towards the end of the season. But to start the season giving up 41 to SMU and losing, and then 49 to Iowa State in a big loss, that's, that's just not Gary Patterson football. Even when the Big 12 had extremely dynamic offenses, which they don't have this year, Usually TCU is the team you could rely on to have a good defense, and it, it didn't play out most of the year like that for them. They lose Jalen Rager, their best offensive player, a dynamic, dynamic player who was often underutilized because TCU has not had great quarterback play in the last few years. I think Rager is going to be a great NFL player once he, if he gets in a system that can utilize him and his incredible speed and playmaking, uh, playmaking ability. So that's definitely the biggest loss for TCU. You have to believe Gary Patterson will get things turned around because he usually does, but this season was not encouraging for that. But at least you could say at least they found their quarterback, and once you find your quarterback, you can build from there. But overall, because of who TCU has become under Gary Patterson, I would have to give this season a C- minus as well, maybe even a D. Actually, I'm going to give this a D because they didn't have a new coach like Kansas, Tech 
and West Virginia have an excuse. They had a new coach. They had to put a new system, all that. You know, Gary Patterson, if he didn't have a quarterback, that's his fault. This is his team. This has been his team forever. If he doesn't have, you know, certain guys in certain positions, that's his fault in recruiting and his staff's fault in recruiting. So there's no one else to blame like some of the newer coaches can blame. So, you know, I'm actually, yeah, I'm giving them a D. This was a really, really poor season for TCU. Moving on to the West Virginia Mountaineers. They also finished 5-7, and seven, just like TCU. They had a new coach in Neil Brown. He had a weird, weird, weird situation that he's stepping in where Dana Holgerson had West Virginia, West Virginia prime to win the Big 12 last year, potentially compete for the playoff last year. They had superstars all over the place. They were a dynamic offense. And then what Dana Holgerson leaves for Houston. And then Neil Brown steps into a situation where you have a team that was great last year, and there's absolutely no expectations on them this year. They lost everybody. And so you're looking at a very, very difficult situation to step into. And Neil Brown did a fine job, but again, they didn't, they weren't great. And he's got some things to build on. Quarterback play was very poor. Austin Kendall, Oklahoma's uh, backup for years behind Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, kind of showed why Lincoln Riley needed to go get Jalen Hurts because he just, he just wasn't good enough. He was fine. He probably would have been better in a situation like Shane Bouchel had at SMU where he was playing in a little bit uh, weaker of a overall conference, a higher offense conference, so he could sling it around a little bit more. And I don't know. Maybe Shane Bouchel is much better than Austin Kendall. I have no clue. But Shane Bouchel looked very good at SMU. Austin Kendall looked, for the most part, very bad at West Virginia. And maybe it's just a level of competition thing, and he should have transferred further out of the conference but it it did not go super well for West Virginia non-conference they got blown out by Missouri 38 to 7 and Missouri is not a great team they did beat NC State the next week they they go into conference play they start off playing Kansas which was good for them they get a win there but then they lose to Texas Iowa State Oklahoma Baylor Texas Tech before a huge, actually, upset. One of the, one of the other big upsets of the of the year in the conference was West Virginia over Kansas State. Then they lose, of course, to Oklahoma State and finish with a win over TCU. But that just prevented TCU from being bowl eligible. It did not help West Virginia become bowl eligible. So that actually was bad for the conference in general to remove another bowl eligible team and uh, put West Virginia uh, just have them end on a positive note. But the overall conference suffered. Although, did we need another team from the conference in a bowl game that they would probably lose? Who knows? TCU actually typically wins their bowl game in some crazy fashion, whether it's a massive comeback or a 10-7 Cheez-It Bowl win. So maybe we we needed a little Gary Patterson sweaty magic in the bowl season. But West Virginia, obviously a total rebuild situation after what Neil Brown took over. So they, they I think that they're looking up they had just such such an odd situation to be so on top of the mountaintop as far as talent and as far as expectations for the 2018 season. And then you go into the 2019 season with extremely low expectations. And they sort of met those expectations right there at five and seven. I think if you'd have said they would be five and seven, most West Virginia fans would have said, yeah, that's, that's what this roster looks like. And so their grade, I'm going to go with a C plus, maybe a B minus, um, I'll say C plus because they didn't make a bowl. And at West Virginia, you should be making a bowl every year. Uh, but they did have a new coach. So 
a very tough situation for Neil Brown, but I think he'll he'll do a good job. And I, I I'm not sure what the you know the recruiting situation is at a place like West Virginia. I mean, I don't know how you convince anybody to go up there and play, but they do have some you know there's some talent in that area, and I think that they can they have a, enough of a name that they can find some guys. But they might need to get back in that transfer market and. and uh, try to get some of these these fifth-year seniors guys like Austin Kendall, but maybe a little bit more effective than Austin Kendall if they want to compete next year. So they, they, get, a, they get a little bit of a pass because of a new coach and a, a bad situation. So they get a C-plus is what I'm going to stick with. Ah, uh, the Texas Longhorns. The fact that I'm talking about the Texas Longhorns after talking about Kansas, Texas Tech, TCU, and West Virginia – does not say much good about the Texas Longhorn season. So they finish eight and five. Not a terrible record if you're um, Texas Tech. But if you're the University of Texas and you're losing five games again, that is embarrassing. If you're Tom Herman, who highly thought of, very sought after, the guy LSU wanted Tom Herman over Coach O, do you think they want him now? Do you think anybody wants him now? No, they don't, because you have you have a team that finished five and four in the conference, and one of the weakest. If we're just being honest, this was one of the weakest Big Twelve conferences in recent memory, and they finished five and four. So they start off big win over Louisiana Tech, then they play LSU, and this is one of the funniest things that I've seen some Texas fans doing. They lose to LSU by seven points, an LSU team that had not really figured things out yet. They didn't really believe in themselves. They are that LSU team is nowhere near the LSU team that's rolling everybody right now. But Texas fans are taking solace in the fact that they only lost by a touchdown to LSU. And actually, they could have and maybe even should have won that game. They lose. LSU goes on to roll everyone in the whole world and I think will beat Clemson. But who knows? This is not the uh, this is a Big 12 podcast. So we're not getting into that. But I do think LSU will win that game. But that was a different LSU team. And Texas should have won. So you know, it is what it is, but that cannot be your best. Your, your University of Texas, the best thing that happened this year cannot be almost beating a team on November, on September 7th. They, of course, rolled Rice. They barely beat Oklahoma State in what ended up being a huge win for them because Oklahoma State ended up not being a bad team. And Texas lost four games in the conference. So getting a win over a pretty good Oklahoma State team was good for them. They beat West Virginia, and then they held tough against Oklahoma, but lost. And in truth, they were kind of physically dominated in that game. Oklahoma was was getting to the quarterback better than they did for the rest of the season. I mean, if Oklahoma's best defensive day really was against Texas, doesn't say much for Texas. They barely beat Kansas on a game-winning field goal. So again, that's another almost conference loss. They lose four games in the conference, and they almost lost five. And one of them was almost to Kansas. What do they do the next week? They lose to TCU. So they almost lost to the two worst teams in the conference, or two of the three worst teams in the conference. That is just embarrassing. But they did get a win over Kansas State, who we'll find out later is a good team. Then Iowa State beats them, which at that point in the season was extremely expected. Same thing with Baylor. You should not be rolling into games against Iowa State and Baylor as not the favorites if you're the University of Texas and you have the great Tom Herman and the legendary Sam Ellinger. This was this was an embarrassing season for Texas. And then 
because they're Texas and they do the thing that's unexpected, they went and stomped Utah in the bowl game, in the Alamo Bowl. Just stomped them. Utah, who was campaigning and incessant, their fans were incessantly bothering people online about how Utah should make it in over Oklahoma if Utah wins the Big 12. And, oh, Oklahoma doesn't play anybody. And, oh, all this stuff. And you know what? We found out that Oklahoma did not belong in the playoff. But my goodness, Texas beat Utah 38-10. to Utah also got stopped by Oregon. So Utah's last two games, they get pretty well dominated. And they got, they you're not hearing their fans talking anymore. So Texas is the only team in the Big 12 that finished this season on a very, very high note. And they're the only team that wins a bowl game in the, in the whole Big 12. This is why the Big 12 is extremely difficult to talk about and predict because it, there's just, it, it's very difficult. And so Texas, Texas, without that bowl win, Texas gets a D minus. With that bowl, bowl win, Texas gets a C minus because that's a big bowl win. I mean, they win by a lot against what we thought was a pretty good team. Uh, so I'm giving them a C minus on the season only because of that bowl win. But man, if they hadn't gotten that, we're talking D minus. We're talking F. Maybe I jumped him too high at a C minus, but I'll stick with it. But Tom Herman's on the hot seat. There is no doubt about that. If they do this again next season, he's gone by November. If he has three losses by November, he's gone. Book it. Bet. If there's a bet, I would place it right then. If he has three losses, he's gone. Embarrassing. Oklahoma State had the most Oklahoma State season of all time, finishing 8-5, and five, being ranked several times throughout the season, losing games they shouldn't lose, winning games they shouldn't win. Just a ridiculous, they're a ridiculous team coached by a ridiculous coach. And I mean that in a good way and a bad way. I love Mike Gundy, but what are they doing in some of these games? So they lose to Texas. That's fine. We thought Texas was good at the time. Then they stop Kansas State, who ends up being a pretty good team. Or they beat, they beat Kansas State by 13. Not really stopping, but they, they win that game. Then they lose to Texas Tech. What are you doing? How are you losing to Texas Tech? Then they beat Iowa State a couple weeks later after losing to Baylor. Iowa State, not a bad team. They beat them. They beat TCU, they beat Kansas, they beat West Virginia. They don't really show up against Oklahoma very well. And then they blow a game in the in their bowl game against AM. Just blew the game. They should have won that game going away. They were dominating. They had a chance to be up 21 to nothing at one point, and they blew it. They stopped giving the ball to Chuba Hubbard. They stopped being who they are. They relied on their backup quarterback, who didn't have the best receiver on the team. It was just it was just mind-boggling, and, and it's a mind-boggling team. So they lose Tylen Wallace to a, a, a torn ACL, their best receiver. That was bad. Then they lose Spencer Sanders to a hand injury for the rest of the season, but it was late in the season, but they didn't have him for the Oklahoma game. They didn't have him for the bowl game. That was bad, but they still had Chuba. Chuba, who should have been a Heisman finalist, who finished – uh, with one of the best seasons for Oklahoma State running back ever not named Barry Sanders or Thurman Thomas. And it just did not, they didn't use him enough. This is a team that was eight and five and could have been, should have been nine and four, at least including the bowl win. But with the talent and the, with the way they played in some of these games, this should have been a 10 and three team. This, I mean, possibly even better. But they have a lot to look forward to next year. Spencer Sanders should return fully healthy. He looked very, very talented at certain points. He looked very young at other points, turning the ball over a lot, but he should be a lot better. Tylen Wallace announced that he's returning, um, which if he recovers 
fully from his ACL tear, he will be the best receiver, returning receiver in the Big 12 because CD is gone and um, Oklahoma's freshman receivers haven't really shown um, enough to say that they're going to be great yet. Jalen Rager's gone and Denzel Mims is gone. So you're looking at the best receiver in the Big 12 returning, uh, one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the Big 12 returning, and Chuba Hubbard should not return. If he was smart, he would absolutely go to the NFL because running backs' careers are so short. He should not put more mileage on his legs without getting paid to do it. At the same time, as of this recording, he has still not announced he's going to the NFL. Mike Gundy's tweeting Canadian flag emojis trying to encourage him to come back or something. Who knows what that means? If he comes back, in my opinion, Oklahoma State is the second favorite to win the Big 12. That's just so there's a lot to look forward to. Even if he doesn't come back, they still have a very promising team, I think, uh, at this point. Obviously, you never know what will happen between now and then, but but there's a lot to look forward to. I give them a B on the season because at the end of the day, at the end of the season, they did better than expected with the youth on their team. They should have done even better looking at the team overall and the season overall. So it's a B, maybe more of a B minus. Actually, I'm going to stick with a B minus because they should have done better. And if that bowl win had happened, if they gotten that bowl win, they should have gotten, would have been a lot better. Uh, but lots to look forward to in Stillwater. And we get to Kansas State, the best team with a new coach. Kansas State also finishes eight and five on the season. Also loses their bowl game, which we'll get into. But you can't have a lot of expectations when a new coach comes into a situation. He came into a better situation. Chris Kleiman came in, into a better situation than the other three coaches who joined the Big 12. But at the same time, there were not high expectations on Kansas State, and they exceeded them. Obviously, what you're going to look back on this season and remember is the Oklahoma win. They also had a win over uh, Mississippi State in the um, in non-conference play, which that was a, a nice win at the time. They they lose to Oklahoma State and Baylor, beat TCU, and then the big win over Oklahoma where they pretty much dominated the entire game and then Oklahoma made a furious comeback at the end to make it close, but they looked amazing that day. They rolled into Kansas, looked amazing again, and then they lost to Texas and they lost to West Virginia. Very up and down, very um, inconsistent, really uncertain of what this team was and who they who they were throughout the season, but they had some big wins. They played very much like every other Kansas State team. Chris Kleiman obviously was is a good coach and knows what he's doing. This was a solid season. The bowl game, they played a, a team that was favored in Navy. It was a tough, hard-fought win. Navy ran kind of all over them, but that's what Navy does. They lose by three. It's a tough loss. It's not an embarrassing loss like some of these Big 12 teams in their bowls. So you can't be sort of upset with that Liberty Liberty Bowl loss. At the same time, would have been nice to get a win. Skyler Thompson is going to return next year as a quarterback, as a senior. So that's very good for Kansas State. He's not an amazing player, but it's always good to have stability at that position. And he's a pretty good player. So I think... If we're looking ahead at Kansas State, they're probably an eight and five team next year too, maybe a nine and four team. But it's Kansas State; they kind of lived up to the exact level of Kansas State that they always are, and that's good. Not great, but that's good. And it's very hard to win at Kansas State. And Chris Kleiman has continued that tradition laid down by Bill Snyder. 
So that's good that they didn't take a step back after Bill Snyder's long reign. We'll see what happens uh, in recruiting, and we'll see what happens as they continue forward in the future. Will Chris Kleiman keep this momentum going and, and improve and take the next step? Will he stay at this level that Bill Snyder kind of kept Kansas State at for the last decade? Or will things start dropping off as maybe recruits and some some players that have been going to Kansas State for the Snyder regime uh, don't want to play for Kleiman? I don't know. I don't see that happening, but we'll see. Overall, this was a, a B season for Kansas State. B, uh, because that's exactly what you think Kansas State's going to do. Um, actually, you know what? The more I'm thinking about this one, this one is an A. It's an A for Kansas State because that's exactly what you expect of Kansas State. But with a new coach, you don't expect it always to be consistent. And they got a big win over Oklahoma. So it's an A. Would have been an A-plus with a bowl win. But losing an A-B in a bowl uh, this season is not too, too bad. Iowa State finishing in this same group of teams that were 5-4 and four in the conference. So those, those that's obviously the teams we just talked about. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas. They're all kind of in a jumble. Uh, you could argue Iowa State finished below all of these teams because they were seven and six with a non-conference loss. It doesn't really matter, so that's just the way we're talking about them. Iowa State came into the season really being able to challenge for the Big 12 title, and they did not. There were only two teams that challenged for the Big 12 title, really, and Iowa State losing to Iowa again. They cannot beat Iowa no matter what happens, it seems, and losing a lot of the games that they just should have won. The big games, the games that were really important to them, they lost. So they lose the Iowa game by a point. They lose the Baylor game by two points. They lose to Oklahoma State by a touchdown. They lose to uh, Oklahoma by one point. They went for they went for two and didn't get it. They lose to, um, and then they get stomped by, or <laughs> They lose to Kansas State by 10 points, and then they get stomped by Notre Dame. So their losses were very, very close, and that's where you just you hate it for Matt Campbell. If you like Matt Campbell or if you're an, or an Iowa State fan, it's really disappointing because it should have been better. You should have beaten Iowa. You should have potentially beaten Baylor, who was really good. Baylor had a lot of close games, but you should have beaten them uh, if you lose by two. And then, of course, Oklahoma. They almost beat Oklahoma when Oklahoma was sort of reeling at the time, and they didn't. They went for two and didn't get it, but that's you know that's a coin flip kind of move. But they played well in that game. They played well in a lot of games that they lost, and that's super disappointing for Iowa State in a season that was supposed to be their best season ever. They were ranked for the first time in forever, and it was supposed to be better, and it wasn't. And because of that, I'll go ahead and talk about my grade. I think this was a a C plus because this was supposed to be an A plus year. This was supposed to be we're in the Big Twelve Championship game with a chance to beat Oklahoma or whoever for the title. And they really weren't even a consideration by the time the season was over. And that's very disappointing. They're gonna return uh Brock Purdy at quarterback. Matt Campbell probably is not getting a, another job. It seems like every season there was talk of where Matt Campbell's going to go. I have not heard near as much of that after this season, which is good for Iowa State fans, but disappointing because you, when you're an Iowa State fan and your coach is being talked about, that means he's doing something great. If he's not being talked about, that means he's an Iowa State coach. So that's that's the catch-22, I guess, of being a, an Iowa State fan. You want to be good enough that your coach has talked about, but you don't want to be so good that your coach is taken. Well, right now they're in that that limbo because he's not 
he did not do a good enough job this year. So Iowa State, like I said, not a great season. But if you if you gave Iowa State fans four or five years ago and you said, hey, this is the season you're going to have. You're going to be seven and six. You're going to win some big games. You're going to lose to Oklahoma by a point. You're going to finish kind of in the in the mid mid level of the Big Twelve. They would take that because they were where Kansas is. We just kind of forget that under Matt Campbell because he's been so good. But at the same time, seven and six is not great when you're supposed to be finishing the season eleven and three. I mean that was that was a prediction I think a lot of people would have said, and it did not work out for them. And they look completely outclassed against Notre Dame in their bowl game, and that's something that happened to a lot of Big Twelve teams. The talent gulf was very apparent in a lot of these games. Baylor finishing number two in the conference. Looked like they were going to finish number one for a long time. And uh, they definitely were in position to do that. And overall, they're going to look back at this season and say, wow, Matt Rule, great job turning this program around. A lot, a lot, a lot rides on whether he Matt Rule takes that New York Giants job or maybe even the Dallas Cowboys job. If he comes back, then I think the momentum will carry over into next year. If he does not then the Sugar Bowl was their last chance to win a big bowl game for a little while, I think, because you can't expect another another coach to do what Matt Rule has done. He has been a miracle worker, turned this program around in an amazing way, and it's kind of been the story of Baylor, even under Art Bryles, the biggest games they haven't closed the deal. So the bowl games where the whole world, the eyes of the world are watching, they haven't closed the deal. And that's what happened to Baylor again this season, undefeated, very lucky in some games. Obviously, we talk about the Tech game with the fumble, but they had a lot of really, really close games, but they figured out ways to win them. And that's sometimes the most important thing you can do. I mean, remember, they only beat Rice by eight, but they beat Iowa State by two. They beat Tech by three. We talked about that. They beat West Virginia by three. And then they beat TCU by six. And then you have the Oklahoma game. They're up on Oklahoma 28-3, to and they lose the game 34-31. to That will haunt them forever. Now, did it really matter? Not, not necessarily, and especially seeing what happened to Oklahoma in the playoff. It's probably better that Baylor didn't play LSU because I don't think anybody wants to play LSU. But it is a haunting game because they had it in their hands and they blew it. Now, they the teams played again in the Big 12 Championship, and it was a overtime game and they lost that one too but that one won't haunt them as much that one they had Charlie Brewer was hurt and they were down to their third string quarterback at one point and they they really didn't have much of a business being in that game so that loss I don't think will hurt them near as much I think the loss to Oklahoma at home when they were up by 25 points will haunt them for a long time but if Matt Rule returns you're looking at a very positive year next year except for the fact that and I'm not I don't have inside information, but Charlie Brewer getting another concussion in that Georgia game, I do not think bodes well for his future as a quarterback, as a football player. He got one against Oklahoma. They said they said before he had the one against Georgia that he'd had three. So I think that means that this was his fourth. And with the heightened awareness of what concussions can do to you, with the way he plays football very physically, I just... I don't think it's in his best interest to continue playing football. I'm not I don't want to speak for him. I don't know his situation. I am not saying I know anything other than I just 
it just seems like he the concussions are getting to him and it's really sad he's a great player he's a great football player he's a great competitor um and he is the type of person you want in your conference you want uh your teams to be playing against you want that guy on your team but at the end of the day you want him to have a normal life and football's very dangerous and it looks like he's gotten the the wrong end of the stick on some of these hits and i I don't even want to say I hope he comes back because I don't want him to force himself back when he shouldn't play. So that would really affect the year next year is whether he can play or not. I, I just, man, watching him at the end of that Georgia game down on, on the sideline just had the thought of that might be it for him, and it's very sad. Uh, again, maybe if you know something I don't, and hey, no, it wasn't that bad, and he's going to be fine. That's great, and I hope that's the case, and I hope he's not in, in as bad a shape as it looked. But uh, it, was not, it was not an encouraging sign watching him down on the field there. So overall, though, Baylor, this is an A-plus season. Absolutely A-plus season. You made the Sugar Bowl. You almost won the Big 12 in a season. Nobody expected anything of you, and it would only be an A-plus-plus season if Matt Rule comes back next year, and you're really looking at – Hey, you know, you can roll into the season as a favorite in almost every one of your games. I, I just, man, there's a lot of smoke around those Matt Rule rumors, and I would not be shocked if he took them. He is a guy with a lot of NFL experience, but he does seem to love Waco and the thing he's building down there. So I wouldn't be shocked if he came back, but I really wouldn't be shocked if he took one of those NFL jobs. But A-plus season for Baylor for sure. And we finish, of course, with the Five straight Big 12 title winning Oklahoma Sooners. This grade will be very difficult to give. Because on one hand, you have a team that won their fifth straight Big 12 title in a transition year after losing their second straight Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and all of their best offensive line in the country besides the center. They lost all of them. And a defense that was one of the worst in the country last year getting a new coordinator, and you don't know. I mean, you still have the talent from the worst defensive team ever, and you're trying to make them into a good defensive team? You could take a look at this season a million different ways. If you want to look at it like, wow, they really actually exceeded expectations because the defense looked pretty good all season. They looked different. They looked, they're flying to the ball. Jalen Hurts finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting and he was a transfer quarterback and you did not have a quarterback ready besides him and you replaced that great offensive line with a decent offensive line and you made the playoff again that sounds like an a plus year right well the other way to look at it is you're oklahoma you're supposed to win the big 12 you're supposed to make the playoff you're not supposed to lose by 50 in the playoff or whatever the score ended up being, 40. You're not supposed to look like you are so far from the other team in the playoff that it's a joke. And that's exactly what that looked like. And that's where the season becomes very sour. Because you could say, yeah, that's, you know what? Listen, Jalen Hurts, he was fine. He was he made some plays. He's not what we're looking at for a quarterback at Oklahoma. And Spencer Rattler next year, He's going to be the guy, and he's going to take us to the promised land. I'll tell you what. We could have Kyler Murray at quarterback. We're still losing by 30 points. 
could add Baker Mayfield at quarterback, still lose him at 30 points because you have 63 points. Joe Burrow did whatever he wanted. They that that was the talent gap was so significant that I have no confidence that that will improve next year or the year after. I don't know how do you how you make that next step in the context of the Big Twelve. Oklahoma A plus all the time every year A plus lose to Kansas State that was bad but you know what come back beat everybody win the Big Twelve that's fine. You are the most talented team in the Big 12, and you couldn't come close to the most talented team in the SEC, and you probably wouldn't have come close to the most talented team in the Big 10 or the ACC. Now, obviously, when we're talking ACC, we're talking about Clemson, and that's it. There's no one else in that conference that's anywhere close, but they've been able to figure out how to have an incredibly talented, deep team in a conference where everyone else is bad. Oklahoma has to do that, and the talent on defense was not there, and we knew it wouldn't be there. But is it going to be there next year? I have no idea. You really, we questioned the defense all year. Oh, man, they look great now. Oh, they look bad again. We, I talked to Ari Temkin about this. Are they good or are they, are they a fraud or are they actually good? Seeing them play a dynamic, for, a dynamic offense that looked a lot like former Big 12 offenses, obviously better, but looked similar. If Oklahoma was playing the Big 12 offenses of two years ago every week, they would have the defense would not have been ranked near as high. I think that they would have been better, and they they would have gotten some takeaways. They they were better. I'm not I'm not saying they're not better, because I said this all year. They looked they looked good. They looked pretty good. They they were up you know kind of in the top 30 or 40 in the country for most of the season, which was a massive improvement. And and that's all Oklahoma needed most years was to have a decent defense and then the offense could carry them. And then this year the offense couldn't carry them. And then the defense couldn't keep it close enough in some of these, in, in especially this last game. So they have to find that balance. You don't have to, I say this all the time, you do not have to have a top 10 defense. If you, the offense is doing what Lincoln Riley's offenses usually do, you just need a defense that keeps stays in that 30 to 40 range and the offense can keep you in these games. Well, the offense didn't keep them in the, these games. How much of that is on Jalen Hurts? I don't know. Probably a lot. How much of that is on lack of running back depth, which is a really weird thing to say? Maybe a lot. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was really the only extremely dynamic offensive player that Oklahoma had this year, and that's a very rare statement, but it's true. Now they've got those three five-star receivers, and maybe maybe those guys will step up. There's a lot to look forward to. The offensive line, like we talked about, was a total replacement job from the year before. That will improve next year, or it should. But you're losing your best defensive player in Kenneth Murray. Uh, you're losing C.D. Lamb. You know, you're losing the the best players you have. Obviously, you lose Jalen Hurts. You're replacing him with guys that you hope are good. You hope Spencer Rattler is what you what you what everyone thinks he is. You hope these receivers are who they think they are. They think they are, but you know you you have you're going to start the season with suspensions. Ronnie Perkins is going to be suspended. Trajan Bridges is going to be suspended. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be suspended still, unless there's some sort of appeal that happens. But you're not going to be going into the season with full of confidence. But I don't think that there was a lot of confidence going in going into this last season and things. Turned out well, but who knows how much of that is because of the down, the down, um, who, who knows how much of that is because the rest of the conference was down. It's really, really, really hard to say. All that said, I'm giving Oklahoma a B plus or a, a minus. Um, you win the big 12. I'm going B plus on the season. The big 12 was down. They won it. That's great. 
should have been undefeated in the conference. Um, and they would just looked so bad in the playoff and so far away from the, the team that they need to be that it's going to be really interesting to see how they can get there. Now, look at LSU, though. LSU looked far from being the team they needed to be until they became that team this year. For years, they were the Oklahoma, uh, the antithesis of Oklahoma. All defense, no offense at all. Could not figure out an offense. They finally get a coach in there when Joe Brady, who can really coach well. They get a quarterback who Joe Burrow did not. He wasn't Joe Burrow last year. He was just a you know overhyped transfer quarterback from Iowa, Ohio State last year. He was fine, but he was not Joe Burrow. You know, B U B U R R E A U X. He wasn't that guy until this year when he had the right coach. You have all that talent around him. LSU's always had great receivers, but they've just never had a quarterback that could get it, could get it to them. And I think it's the same thing with Oklahoma. They always have a couple good defensive players that go on to good NFL careers. And then you're like, well, how's that guy succeeding in the NFL when the defense he was on was bad? Well, you got to have everything. So maybe Oklahoma can find that just the same way that LSU found it. I have no idea what LSU is going to be like next year, but they found it this year. And Oklahoma has to have a year like that where everything comes together. They keep making the playoff in years where everything hasn't come together because they're the best in their conference. And they're the best team in the country that's not one of those three elite teams. Sometimes there's only one elite team. Most of the time there's two elite teams. Um, But Oklahoma and Georgia are kind of the two teams that are just on the cusp but aren't there yet. And Georgia will always get that second loss in the SEC championship game because usually they're playing Alabama, but this year it was LSU. Oklahoma doesn't have that second auto loss because they're not playing a team like that in the the Big 12 championship. And so if they take care of business, they're going to make the playoff. And they'll probably be in it again next year if they take care of business. But they can't be in it again if they're going to be embarrassed like that again. They're 0-4 in the playoff. It's an embarrassing number. 0-5 would be just ridiculous. So a B-plus year for Oklahoma. Overall, Big 12 as a conference, the grade a B, maybe even a B-minus. Not a great year. Not a lot of great teams. And then the bowl season just did not go well. I think it was a lot of mismatches. I think it was a little bit unfair. Um, Iowa State really doesn't have any business playing Notre Dame. Baylor playing Georgia is only because Oklahoma made the made the playoff. And Oklahoma played a team that was significantly better than them. Baylor then plays a team that's significantly better than them. And there's a trickle-down effect where teams are playing. And, and really, Texas, that was a mismatch. Texas should not have beaten Utah that way, according to uh, – paper according to rankings all of that and and texas figured out a way to win and win big so it's not it's not an excuse it's just you know what it didn't work out very well but not a great year for the conference i appreciate everybody listening and you uh listening to this whole much much longer episode than normal but wanted to get through all of the teams and i will be back periodically in the off season so i'm going to be talking to kevin kt turner from 105.3 during the off season at one point i hope He's a draft expert, NFL draft expert. He's studying all the players. He told me he's 75 players in. Um, I don't know how many players you end up studying. Hundreds, I guess. So once he kind of has all of those guys, I'd love, love to have him and talk to him about some of these Big 12 players like Kenneth Murray or Jalen Rager uh, and just see where are these guys going in the draft and, and what what can we expect of them and I don't know much about the draft, so I always kind of overrate Big 12 players, but it's always nice to see them succeed when they're not highly drafted, like a guy like Tyler Lock- Tyler Lockett from Kansas State, 
who's had a great career with the Seahawks. I love seeing him succeed because I'm like, man, that guy torched all the Big 12 his whole career, and then nobody really believed that he was going to be great in the NFL, and he was. He's been really, really good. Or obviously, you get guys like Patrick Mahomes where people uh, discounted him because of the the conference he played in, and then he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So we're going to talk to KT about that at some point. I will uh, pop back in with with a podcast then, and we'll have a couple other ones, maybe one around spring football and um, some things like that. But I really appreciate you guys listening this season. It was fun doing the podcast. It was um, rewarding doing something a little different. Um, and I appreciate you guys reading the newsletter, which was also really fun. Um, the newsletter will take a break. We probably won't pop back in until the season. That takes takes quite a while. It takes a little bit of my time. So I'm going to take a break, uh, just like all those coaches take a break, right? Just kidding. They never stop working because it's crouton season. So I uh, I won't pop I won't uh, I won't talk about recruiting season because I don't pay attention to recruiting because it's a dirty confusing weird world where you're tweeting at 16 year olds trying to tell them where to go to college and I just think that's weird so I like to just find out how good the players are when they get there <laughs> and let the experts handle all of that so I will talk to you guys maybe here in a month or two but I appreciate you listening please subscribe like rate podcast on Spotify and iTunes and everywhere you can do all that stuff. And I'll talk to you again sometime down the road. This is the Big 12 Bullets. 